Welcome to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast with your host, Dr. Yoni Rosenblatt. Today we sit down with a special guest, Ryan Bogus, to discuss the fascinating journey of building a private practice and treating professional athletes. In this insightful episode, we explore the challenges, triumphs, and unique experiences that come with providing physical therapy to elite athletes. From the initial stages of building a client base to the intricacies of tailoring treatment plans for high-performance individuals, this episode offers valuable insights for aspiring sports physical therapists and entrepreneurs in the healthcare industry. Ryan Bogus's wealth of experience in both private practice and elite sports rehabilitation ensures a well-rounded discussion on the strategies that contribute to success in this specialized field. Let's jump right in. Hey guys, my conversation with Ryan Bogus was really eye-opening for the way he has built culture within his company, HQPT, out in Oregon. He graduated from George Fox University in 2015 and then opened up HQPT in 2018. He has grown it steadily and has a wide-reaching clientele, all the way from elite-level NFL athletes. You'll hear us talk about how he trains those, both at home, on the field and in his clinic, as well as general population. He treats in a really unique style and has an awesome structure to his business, which has allowed him to grow so well over the last few years. I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Ryan Bogus. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Please share the episode. We are growing like wildfire. We're The podcast is growing beautifully, but so is True Sports Physical Therapy in Maryland, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. So if you're interested in joining our team, please shoot us a DM, uh, True Sports PT on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. We're always interviewing, always hiring. We are the absolute best place to both rehab as well as be a physical therapist. Without further ado, my conversation with Ryan Bogus. Dr. Ryan Bogus from HQPT. Love having you here. Thanks for making time to be on the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, you know, in preparing for this conversation, I came across an awesome blurb about you, I I believe from your alma mater, in which uh, they described your philosophy as making every single one of your patients the star of the show. Tell me how you go about doing that. That's a good question. I think it stems at least partly from approaching each individual without having an agenda. Truly, um, you know, if you're looking at each person as an individual and you can take time to get to know them and you see the uniqueness that makes them who they are and you genuinely start to appreciate like, hey, this is a person that's got goals and aspirations and whether they be athletic or, you know, something as simple as, you know, ADLs or whatever it might be like, you, I, I think it it has to come from a genuine place of truly appreciating, you know, valuing the the person that's in front of you, and then practically doing that is, you know, really trying hard to avoid to take the locus of control from them, right? Like you have to foster internal belief within them that they have everything they need, you know, to get better, whether it be pain or performance or whatever it is. <clears throat> Because I think there's a lot of people out there that have this internal belief and maybe you, I'm sure, you know, the PTs that are listening have come across these people where their projection into the future is negative. You know, their crystal ball projection about their adaptability or their ability to improve, 
you know, either has been no seaboat out of them or they, they through personal experience, you know, the positive outlook on, Hey, I'm adaptable. I'm, I'm able to adapt to stimulus and grow and change. So uh, yeah, if, if you are, I, I kind of look at it as like Yoda and Luke Skywalker, you know, star Wars. It's like, I'm the little green guy. I'm Yoda. They're Luke Skywalker and they have the force inside of them. They are the star of the show. They, they are the hero in this story. I'm just there to kind of like teach them, help them grow, put them in positions to bring that out. So where, where do you come up? Like, where do you come up with that mindset? Um, that's, that's a good question also. Um, I think it's probably learned humility to a certain degree of just years of practicing um, and learning to really trust people. And um, I think part of it, you know, is is my worldview to a certain degree of, you know, I think that everybody's valuable and and, you know, their past experiences and their beliefs and expectations that shape who they are as an individual on the day that, you know, the minute that they walk through your door, um, all that stuff is valuable. And so I think, you know, I really, I I think all the PTs here at HQPT and I try to embody this is like really genuinely being impressed with the people that you work with, whether it's, you know, a, a 70 year old or a 90 year old or a pro football player, you know, it's like, it's all everybody, everybody's a hero. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it sounds like you embody the idea of service through selflessness. And I think that's one of my pet peeves for, of physical therapists. And especially in, in this like me first world that is so Instagram driven where you'll see posts that are far more about the PT than they are about the athlete. I mean, I think getting away from that um, is, is what sets you apart or, or so it seems. I think that's, that's an awesome lesson to PTs listening is we are, don't forget why we went to school. We didn't go to school for ourselves. We went to school for our patients and for our athletes. And so that, that seriously resonates. I also noticed looking through your website, you are conveniently listed dead last in the line of physical therapists. Was that by design? It's funny you mentioned that. I didn't, I didn't know if anybody would ever notice that, but yes, it is intentional. Okay. And just, I think I know why, but tell me why. Um, I think that, you know, it's funny. We have, we have a thing here. Um, so I'm sitting in my office. We're in Milwaukee, Oregon right now. And we're part of a big uh, gym. It's like a 10,000 foot square foot facility out there. And it's an awesome gym. We love it. We're super blessed. And from day one, it's really interesting to see um, all of us park far away you know what i mean like it's kind of like you leave the the front spots for the patients and i i don't know i think it probably has something to do with that idea of just yeah like being humble and putting other people first and i think on the website you know it, it it's actually cracking me up that you noticed that because i honestly i didn't think anybody would ever notice that yeah but um yeah, I think it probably has something to do with just wanting to shine the spotlight on. It's kind of like the mirror, you know, you just want to reflect the spotlight back on others. I don't know. I love that. Uh, you know, I, I always say a true sports that it's it's not about the therapist. It's about the patient. Right. And so 
I, I've changed my tune a little bit on that as I talk to physical therapists and I talk to the, the true sports PT team because I, I too often was solely focused on the patient and not on making it the absolute best place to work, right? And the best place, not just to rehab, but to be a physical therapist. How do you ingrain a culture of both patient and PT first? It's almost an oxymoron. Yeah, that was honestly, you know, I left the corporate PT world um, to start headquarters physical therapy in 2018. And um, I started with a good buddy of mine and we're great friends to this day. Um, his name's Curtis Dodson. He's not involved in the business anymore, but we're still great, great friends. And when we took a step back from our corporate jobs and, and we said, what is HQ and how does you know, what are the things that we really don't like about this corporate setting? Mm -hmm. And why are we like wanting to leave? And why are we pissed off? You know, and it was, it was like, okay, if we're going to start HQPT, it has to be something that is not only great for the patients, but is also excellent for the clinicians. Um, if we're going to, you know, ask people to, to fly the banner of HQPT and, and, you know, work, work hard and, and be in it, you know, we have to provide something that's great. So uh, yeah, that that's been front of mind for me since day one to answer your question. Um, the biggest thing there is probably very flexible. I mean, very simple stuff, like not overextending with patients, like our PTs see maybe five, six, seven at the most patients per day. Wow. Um, and that's, that's a pretty big day. I mean, we do all hour long sessions. Um, the charting and documentation is very simple. Everything we try and make things as simple as possible and distill it down to the purest form of like, okay, you know, we're not necessarily just going to do it the way it's always been done. Let's kind of rethink it and try and make things better. But a very flexible schedule, um, you know, working when you want to work, seeing as many patients as you want to see. Um, you know, we do things like I think there's a lot of companies that talk a lot about continuing education and mentorship. And you've got all these opportunities and things. And we've honestly, that was a big one that when we started, we were like, you know what? A lot of people talk about this stuff, but we're actually going to do it. And so we meet, uh, we meet every week, every other week, we're going through uh, continuing education. Uh, we've partnered with the Level Up Initiative and Clinical Athlete with uh, Quinn Hennick and Zach Gabor, who are just kind of like staples in our community at this point. And sure. so we're, we're one of their first business partners or business affiliates that's, you know, going through their program as a company and as a team. But yeah, honestly, it's, it's just simple stuff um where i just think that and you can feel it and you can see it you know when there's when you're around other people that truly care for you picking each other up taking care of each other um and it's not it's not like sitting around doing kumbaya sessions and stuff because i don't i don't know that anybody wants to do that either but right. um you know if 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 anybody on this team has a problem we're always there for each other you know, in, in practical ways. So that that's awesome. Um, how do you keep the lights on at five patients a day? So, um, we're an out of network cash-based practice. Mm -hmm. And so we, um, our, our pricing is honestly very competitive. We have a four pack and an eight pack, 
as well as a single session rate. Um, we, so we see, you know, we see patients under that model and there's a couple different tiers for the practitioners, um, you know, as they're working in the company, uh, that they can work through each, you know, has its own unique financial compensation package, all three tiers. Um, another way that we keep the lights on is through corporate wellness. Um, that's honestly a very big part of our business is we work with about 10 local companies right now. And in 2024, we're kind of really doubling down on that corporate wellness arm of our practice. So it's about a third of our business right now. Um, but companies hire us to talk about everything from nutrition to exercise and fitness to heart health to stress management and mental health. And there's an array of, you know, people within my network that we contract in, you know, to help run some of these sessions and things. And then also everybody on staff helps with that. So that's a good way, you know, for us to, to bump up the margins and things like that. But it's, it's been really great for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the diversification. You know, you're not just selling hours in a clinic. You have found a way to bring in other revenue sources. And I think that's something that all private practitioners can, can learn from and, and dig into, especially in this, this world of uh, insurance reimbursement dwindling, I would say, um, to yeah. put it mildly. So we so actually, can, Oh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead, Ryan. You're the star. This is about you. <laughs> I was just going to say I, and selfless plug, but we actually have a corporate wellness mentorship program, uh, awesome. that we've started. So if there are any other, you know, PTs out there who are like, Hey, I'd really like to check out this corporate wellness thing. We actually can kind of help you along and teach you how to do it. So that's really yeah. awesome. Are, are your PTs salaried to any extent? Uh, no, uh, okay. we have, yep. So we have, they're all W2 employees. Um, but we have a, uh, split model for the first tier, a base salary plus split for the second tier, and then a profit sharing model for the third tier. And, and the tiers are solely based on years of service? Uh, based on production. Production. Okay. So if you mm -hmm. see a certain amount of patients, you'll escalate to tier two, tier three. Yep, exactly. Now, with that being said, I'll be perfectly honest. There is some flexibility within that because we have some amazing, when I, I'm telling you, just great PTs, but just great people. I mean, I, I can't say enough about the team that we have here. It, yeah, it's incredible just the way it's all come together. But um, there's some flexibility within that too, right? Like we've had uh, one of our practitioners has gone on maternity leave, came back, you know, production. And, and there was no negative impact on that, right? It's like, yeah, go do your thing. Come mm -hmm. back. You know, we're going to take care of you. And so I think that's that's kind of part of it too, is there's some flexibility within those tiers. We There's some standards and guidelines, but you know, each person, even within HQ is kind of on their own path. So we just try and make it marry up to what their goals are and what they're trying to do and make sure that quality of life is really high and that you've got plenty of time to, to do things of value outside that's the clinic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. that's awesome. And I think that's what, that's what every um, PT wants and, and you want to give them the ability to do that or alternatively the ability to work more and earn more because sometimes that's yep. more important. So I think that's really powerful. You mentioned the maternity leave. We just had our company party and, and one of the things I highlighted at our company party was how much I used to dread maternity leave 
And mm-hmm. now just how proud and excited I am that an employee is able to give birth, add to their family, um, you know, all the beautiful things that come with that and have the security to come back to a burgeoning business and a book of business. And I'm so excited and gratified by that. It's, it's, it's really exciting. I think that has to do with like my shift to saying, hey, we want this to be the best place to work, not just to rehab. So, um, so you started in 2018. Talk me through where you got your business education. Hey guys, quick pause and a quick shout out to this new masterclass that we just launched here at True Sports Physical Therapy. Myself and Dr. Tim Stone put together a masterclass of ACL rehab and we call it from table to turf. And the reason we call it that is because it's going to teach you exactly how to get your athlete all the way from post-op day one with the nitty gritty of regaining all of that range of motion with the tips and the tricks that we use here at True Sports Physical Therapy that gets our athletes better, faster, and stronger. And that's early. And then how do you progress that athlete all the way onto the field with a ball in their foot or a stick in their hand or whatever their sport is and teach them how to accelerate, how to decel, how to change direction, and all the mechanics that go in there. What drills do we use to get our athletes exactly where they need to be back on the field and even better than before injury? And I want you to sign up for that class. Now, you can find it on our website. You can shoot us a direct message and just say, hey, send me the course. It's right now on sale, so make sure you sign up now. It is fully accredited to get you all of your continuing education hours. Sign up for the True Sports Masterclass ACL from table to turf. Thanks, guys. Uh, school of hard knocks. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. I mean, yeah, we we started out, my, my partner Curtis and I, who we started the business together, um, he we were working in the corporate clinic and we pretty much spent about a year working full time and then you know nine nine to five eight to five whatever and then five to midnight you know working on this plan for what we thought hq could be and so obviously you know there's some background basics of business and you know um that you pick up along the way, but I'll say, you know, over the last few years, and I will be the first to say I'm learning more and more every day. I do not have this figured out. And frankly, I'm sure you'll agree with this is running a business is maybe the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, extremely rewarding. I'm a father of three, um, lot of similarity. Like, I don't mean to like downplay either, you know, business ownership or being a dad, but there's a lot of similarities there. I mean, it takes so much attention and it is, it's so hard, but it's also so you're just so in it and it's so rewarding and you just love it so much. Um, so I would say over the last, you know, maybe three years as I've been transitioning, you know, from just like, okay, I'm just going to see patients and however many patients I see, like that's how much money I'm taking home to actually like growing a business with a staff and um you know an attractive place to work and those sorts of things some of the biggest resources if i can give really practical uh recommendations to the audience um alex hormozzi has been extremely influential on me um i've read both of his books multiple times and i think from a quick implementation um standpoint of 
hey, you know, you are a new business owner. These are the things you should be focusing on. I think it's invaluable. Um, I've read, you know, I've, I've read all the classics, good to great, uh, to sell as human, you know, all, all of the, uh, how to be a rainmaker, you know, all the classics and things, but I, I truly think like Hormozy's stuff is a one. And so I, I have to give him a shout out. I think that's what, well, but, by, by the way, to sell as human opened my eyes to something that I think PTs suck at by and large, which is yeah. having the confidence to sell what it is that we do and that we're so good at. You know who's awesome at that? Chiropractors. And I think PTs yep. could come a long way in understanding that when you are confident in what you're providing, you are selling. And that is the most effective way to sell as opposed to just harping on closing the deal. I think there's a tremendous amount of gold there. So Hormozy is great. To sell as human is, is also super worthwhile. And I yep. don't think I thought about that until I read that. Um, yeah, I agree. So, okay. So it sounds like you've done a lot of things, right? Give me the one thing that, man, I wish I could take a mulligan on that. I really screwed that up when I started this business. Yeah. I, and I will tell you for everything I've done, right. I've probably done five to wrong. I mean, it, granted grand scheme of things. It's like, we're still cruising. We're still going like, it's always been forward progress, but you know, it's kind of like, it's just the people that don't quit, right. That, you, you kind of suck at it and then you suck at it and you practice it and you do it more and you get better. And to this day, like I still see myself very much in that light. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely consider myself like very blessed to be in the position where we've been able to survive COVID, where we found different revenue streams in corporate wellness and we've got a great clinical practice. So all that to say, yes, I've made many, many right, mistakes. Give me, give me the number one mistake. Number one would probably be, maybe looking outside of myself for external validation. And I know that sounds very ethereal, but I, I think I've always had like a pretty good vision of what HQ is and what it can be. But I find myself and especially early on being like, I need someone else to co-sign on this in terms of like validate my my thought. And, you know, I think I don't know that my vision has changed much, but I've become more confident in it through proof of concept. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, there were times when it's like, you know, we need to I need to bring on this other partner because, you know, I just, I don't know if I'm the guy for this, you know, I need to bring someone else in, you know, and in reality, it's, it kind of goes back to like how we treat patients. I think I kind of had everything I needed right inside of me already. Um, and I would say if there's any times I've, you know, gotten into situations where I'm like, oh man, that kind of sucked. It was because, you know, I didn't trust myself yeah. and didn't, didn't maybe believe in myself as much as I should have. I, I know it sounds weird, because it takes a lot of self-belief to like leave everything behind and start your own business. But those, uh, those moments of doubt have probably delayed me a bit, you know, where I'm looking for external validation instead of just going. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that. And it sounds like you, you came to realize that you do have all the skills that you need. Um, once you were, you kind of had to use those skills, right? Like you said, proof of concepts, like, like very, um, like very small potatoes, I would say, like, I, I remember being so freaked out 
how am I going to get my printer to work with my computer? Because when I worked corporate, it's like you call the computer guy, yep. right? Or whatever. Yep. And it's like, th thank God I didn't have any freaking patience when I started this business. So I spent four hours learning how to hook up my printer so that last week when the receptionist is like, ah, uh, the printer's broken. I'm like the printer is not broken. Here's how you get the printer to talk to your computer. Like, like simple stuff, but it's just yep. trial by fire and, and you have to be put in those positions. And it sounds like that's kind of where you found like your, your self-confidence. And it, you're right. It's not so different to the patient who's like got knee pain and it's going to hurt when I do plyos. And then you show them like, okay, but if you try a plyo like this, it's not going to hurt. Mm -hmm. and, and you just build them up uh, accordingly. So, okay, I digress. Now, um, you mentioned the culture you built and how you're all parking away from the building and, and it's patient first. And how do you identify that quality in an applicant? Because that is something that I effed up a million times was I was yeah. just hiring for the wrong skill or I was looking and it wasn't until I figured out, well, here's what I'm actually looking for. Tell me how you look for that patient first approach. Yeah. So one of the big things I think of in this realm and this might be redundant, but uh, like the camping trip test. Okay. I don't know if you no, like, tell me what that is. I, I live in Baltimore. I don't go camping a bunch. Welcome like, to Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Could I go on a camping trip with this person for a weekend and enjoy the weekend and come back afterward being like, I would do that again? Yeah. Um, I know that sounds very subjective and it is, but um yeah, people, I, I would say to be in a cash-based setting, if I'm keeping it totally real with the audience here, you got to be a little entertaining. You know, yep. like people people have to want to come see you. You got to be a little dynamic, right? And so, you know, I can, I can usually tell just sitting down and having a conversation. Like my interview style is very conversational. I just want to get to know you. I want to see how you ask me questions and how we you know, uh, what the back and forth and what's the dialogue like. And if I find myself and I'm like, gosh, I'm actually like pretty freaking fascinated by this cool. person. Um, that's a huge test for, you know, if I think they're going to be successful in this, in our particular setting. So yeah. we have, you know, there's, there's people from vastly different backgrounds within our setting and the team we have currently you know, we, we sit down and meet and we're like flipping each other crap and we're having fun. And if, if that you can get a sense on whether or not someone's going to walk in and be like, Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Or if they're going to be able to dive in head first and, and enter that culture and add to it. Yeah, for sure. How do you test their clinical acumen? So we usually will do some, I say working interview, but like shadowing, mm -hmm. And so we'll have people come through and just spend the day with us and I'll have them spend some time with Danny, who she's one of our amazing PTs, Danny Deloy, Jack Anderson, and um, have them just shadow us. We'll ask them questions. Hey, what do you think about this? What would you do? And that, you know, you spend a couple of days, maybe even just one, you know, in the clinic and get a pretty good sense of where they're at clinically. We, um, we also talk about you know i think even something that we may talk about today is like who do you follow who do you listen to yeah what's your tribe you know and you can typically get a pretty good sense about where someone's at for their tribe but i also say you know cl 
clinical skills can be learned to a certain degree. It's real tough to change, you know, a personality or, you know, just people that have been through things and have life experience and have grit and can overcome challenges. Um, you know, the, that's, that's something that's harder to, to teach, you know? Yeah. yeah. One, one of the things that I started looking for, maybe this will resonate with you is I love seeing athletic trainers on or, or an, F, an ATC on their resume. I don't care as much about CSCS. I don't care about USAW. It's nice. But when I see ATC, here's what I definitely know. They're hard workers yep. because ATs, man, they just grind and they are yep. there forever. And they are, I, I'll never understand this, but they are squirting water in athletes' mouths for no mm -hmm. reason, as well as doing the rehab. And so like it comes with far less ego. So I appreciate kind of seeing that. Give me feedback on my interview process because what I do is I made up a case of an athlete that we see a million times. We have a shoulder case, an ACL case, um, an ankle case where they have failed rehab elsewhere and they're coming to true sports because we see that like crazy. And I give yep. that to them two, three days in advance. And then they come in and I'm the patient and they're the PT. And I like to see kind of how do they how do they think on their feet? What do they do when the quad doesn't turn on? What do they do when the knee doesn't straighten or, or the shoulder's painful at end range flexion? So I get a sense for their clinical acumen, but also how adaptable are they? And that all happens in our very busy, busy environment, which sounds like yours, which is a performance facility, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not a PT clinic, it's a performance facility. And then I'm able to see like, how do they get in? My first mistake in that case was I used to spring that on them when they walked in and they yeah. would freak the F out and it, that ruins everything. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I want it to be comfortable, but I want to test them like that. What do I need to change about that? Or what would you add on that? Great question. Um, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily, uh, I think we're after the same thing really, you know, kind of in our processes is mm -hmm. like, how do you think on your feet? You know, can I, as we're going through, you know, I have a patient doing a drill and I'm like, Hey, you know, what would you do differently? Or like, what, you know, what, uh, how would you dose this out? You yep. know, what, what would be your loading parameters for this? And, um, you know, it's one of those things where when you're going through that with someone, you might actually, you as the the boss man, you know, yep. might be surprised by their approach. And you might be like, actually, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't even know if I would have thought of that. Like, that's awesome. Um, so I do like it from that regard. Um, you might, if, you know, it might be a little bit different dynamic when you're evaluating your potential employer versus where, where there's that perceived like power differential, sure. you know, yep. real, you know, real yep. or imagined or whatever. But um, so it might be a little bit different than treating a patient where, you know, they're, they're genuinely, you know, in a bad sure. place. And yeah. yeah. So, you know, it might be a little skewed, but I, I think it's, I think it's really good. I think we're, we're both after the same thing, which is, you know, can you think on your feet? How comfortable are you talking through this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Okay, good. Thank you for that feedback. Um, you're you've done an awesome job of not just running a clinic and treating high level athletes, but treating pros and treating them in their house or doing house visits or treating them on the road. How did you break into that world? True sports physical therapy is growing like wildfire. We have 14 locations, soon to be more. We are throughout the state of Maryland 
We're in Pennsylvania, in Lebanon, in New York, Pennsylvania, as well as in Delaware, in Newark and Wilmington, Delaware. Like I said, so many more practices to come, and we always need outstanding sports physical therapists. Our treatment style is unique. We are one-on-one -on -one with your athlete for 45 minutes every single session. You do the entire treatment. You do the entire evaluation, and they are in state-of-the-art facilities where you have room to run throw and jump and really get your athlete all the way back to on the field and better and stronger than they were. We also have outstanding salaries, comp structures, bonus abilities, 401ks, as well as a very strong continuing education offering, including in-house continuing education. And we're looking for you. Now is the time as we are growing like crazy, just shoot your resume over to Yoni, Y-O-N-I at True Sports PT or shoot us a DM and we will hit you back. We will get you in for our unique tried and true interview process and really make a determination that this is the right place for you to grow your career and get your athletes better than ever. We can't wait to hear from you. So it's funny you brought up athletic training because that's my background. Um, I come from you know, kind of the tail end of the athletic training bachelor's degree, right? Because most is all master's. So you don't get necessarily, unless people have been to school for a real long time, you don't necessarily get the PT, AT combo as much as mm -hmm. when I was coming out. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, one thing just to almost circle back to what you said about the athletic trainers, not yeah. to go too far back here, but um, communication is huge when i see an atc on the resume also same thing is like they're gonna know how to be in a whirlwind environment where you know lots of different people from different backgrounds they'll be able to handle it communicate all those things and so that was basically my my background was athletic training at oregon state i worked football and baseball there fast forward to hqpt um, I also should probably mention I, I did, you know, like a clinical rotation at Exos two months okay. um, and worked with some, you know, did NFL combine prep with them. Um, I had kind of maintained, you know, like my I seeking out mentorship in that high level athletics realm. OK, so fast forward to HQPT. Um, there's an NFL guy, and I can say his name, Brandon Cooks, uh, who played for the New Orleans Saints at the time. This is early in his career. He was an Oregon State guy, and he was looking for a place here in Portland, Oregon to train. And the reason was because, you know, his wife's from here, so they want to live here in the offseason. So he goes around and interviews a bunch of places, ends up landing in my office with coach eric jernstrom who i also need to shout out he's the strength coach and and maybe the smartest person i've ever met cool. um coach eric is incredible and basically brandon sat down and just started interviewing us like hey i want to be here but if if i can't find somewhere to train i gotta i gotta live somewhere else and basically from then on the three of us we put our heads together and um that's kind of where the magic came from and then along the way more and more, more and more, let's say NFL elite level athletes have, you know, word of mouth, heard what we're doing, made their way in, and the program has grown. Um, with that being said, the home visits and traveling out 
kind of came from like, hey, we put in all this work in the off season and we've had all of this right at our fingertips. And then it's kind of weird, you know, the athlete leaves and you're like, what, I'm not going to see you for like four or five months. Right. And so ultimately it was Brandon Cooks asking me, hey, would you be willing to in the in season fly out, do some work with me, you know, keep me in it, keep me going. And then that's evolved into doing that with a few other athletes as well. Okay. So I've lived in that world a little bit of doing home visits and um, for NFL guys, tell me what a home visit with Ryan Boggess looks like, because I think the the sports PT coming out of school, they have no idea what to do when they walk into a player's hotel room or, or, yes. or house as it were. Right. So what, how do you approach that? Yeah. So I have a few experiences where it's someone I've never worked with before. Um, mm -hmm. A couple years ago, not this season, but the season before mutual connection, got a call. Hey, can you go out to Pittsburgh and work with a few of their O-line guys? Sure. Never met those guys before in my life. So I think I will say that having years of clinical experience in, especially within a, a very specific area, such as football, field sports, you can probably get to the heart of what this person is trying to accomplish quick-ish um, because you don't have a lot of time, right? Like you said, you're showing up in a hotel room, you're showing up. I do a lot of work in the players' houses and I, I work with incredible, incredible guys that bring me into their homes and I usually will just stay at their homes. They have big, big houses. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, if it's someone I've never met before and I'm coming in cold, um, it's like, Hey, nice to meet you. Um, try and get a little bit of their background, injury history. What are their goals? What are they dealing with right now? What is their current training? You know, e even like their specific team practice schedule. You know, what do you guys do Monday, Tuesday? Are you doing, you know, install Friday or Saturday? Or what does that look like getting ready for Sunday? And so then we can kind of hit the ground running with whatever treatment we decide to do. And I'm not messing up their schedule or if they're going to have a real big day on thursday i'm not smoking them on wednesday you know when they've already practiced wednesday right yep. so yeah it's it's drilling down into what does your schedule look like what are the demands that you're going to be placed under and then how do i kind of like fit a puzzle piece into that yeah and, and i think that's a great point to highlight is when i'll do a home visit especially when i'm let's say call it an initial eval in home it is so much subjective i mean it mm -hmm. is 90% conversation number one that that's going to produce buy in like hey i trust this guy in my house or with yep. my career um and number two it, there's so many um moving parts right when when dealing with a pro athlete so get wrapping your arms around exactly what they're doing when they're doing how they're doing it and by the way diving deep into well i have a lift on tuesday okay wh what's the lift what what's the coach's perspective what's his goals of that session they may not have one and i think a lot of our listeners would be surprised at some of the trash strength and conditioning that that is available even at the very elite levels sometimes they're awesome but sometimes they're not and so just getting an understanding of what they're doing what the athlete's training age is and where you fit in how do you handle therapeutic exercise when you're in their house if they don't have a gym let's say mm -hmm. yeah and there's just to capitalize on your last point too there's so much nuance even between 
call it different levels of players, right? There, there are certain players on a team that may have a lot more leeway um, yep. based on their performance, yep. the type of money they're making, who they are, um, you know, and so you can come in and be like, hey, you know, it might be worthwhile trying to do this. And they're like, yeah, I'll go tell my strength coach, no problem, done. Other people who are a little more on the bubble, you know, they they might not have that pull to be able to go in and say, hey, I'm working with this guy from Oregon. We want to make these these tweaks and changes. Um, and even each individual organization, football team, football organization that I've worked with, you know, there's varying degrees of acceptance to outside people. So, you know, there's some that I've worked with that are like, oh, yeah, man, sounds great. Like, let's let's team up on this. Let's let's work together. And others are like it's probably best that they don't know that I'm here type thing. You know what right, I mean? For sure. Yeah, um, for sure. So yeah. There's a lot of nuance there. I, th I think there's a lot of nuance. I think it's also, don't forget that just the way you build, the way you put your patient first, the way you build buy-in with your patients, sometimes those always those skills transfer to when you're talking to other clinicians or other strength or performance professionals where too often I have been big boyed by the guy who, who's in house because he wants to show me what's what that mm -hmm. I, I try to keep it front of mind that I never want to do that to yeah. another provider, another clinician, um, because the person who suffers is the athlete. Right. And yep. so just it's the same way you sell and, and create buy in with your client. It's the same thing with those other professionals. I think that goes a long way. What was what's the biggest surprise in working with an NFL athlete? The biggest surprise in working with an NFL athlete is probably the it's uh, playing in the NFL is kind of like a drug. Okay. Keep going. You're, Say you've more. got 90,000 people, you know, screaming for you. You're running out onto a field. I mean, the autonomic nervous system response is through the roof, the sympathetic stress and you know, it's funny, most of the guys that I've worked with, you know, if they play a primetime Sunday night game, they're not getting to sleep until 3, 4 a.m. And fun. and they and these are guys that are not out partying, like they're dialed in, they're at home, but it's like they can't get to sleep. And surprising thing, you know, is just that, um, you know, you think about we hold these these people in in a very high echelon of like high performance with nutrition and training and all these things and you know there's some real challenges with with football specifically right um from just the adrenaline dump and the sympathetic release and response that you get and then you're trying to you know regulate the autonomic nervous system just as much as you're trying to you know make a a hamstring you know feel really good and strong and so there's that. Um, and then there's probably also just how susceptible that population is to BS within our field, to be blunt, um, because you're talking about uh, a population of people that have status and clout, time, money, resources. And so, yeah, you have you have the money to spend on basically anything. And so from a treatment modality standpoint, yep. and then you have some probably predatory marketing as well, you know, that's kind of geared toward like, well, hey, if you're not doing this, then, you know, you're leaving something on the table. And so I think a lot of times those athletes will gravitate toward or 
um, be influenced, you know, to gravitate towards something that might be more in the category of like very superfluous BS. It's like, no, let's do the basics really, really well. Yeah. And you know, that's, that thing is just kind of like a waste of time and money. Yeah. And so uh, they're, they're pretty susceptible to that. Yeah. I, th I think that's totally true. I just had a conversation with one of our awesome PTs, Brian Hunter, who was a pitcher for, um, for the Reds. And now he's a PT. He did a rotation at Reinold's place in Boston. And we were talking about what makes Reinold's great at overhead athlete. He's like, dude, he does sideline external rotation for like mm -hmm. a million reps. He does prone 90, 90 where it's like, what makes him special is that he just does the basics really yep. freaking well. And, and like, there's a reason that stuff has been around for so long. Um, because it freaking works and you got to have the confidence to stick to your principles of it doesn't have to be fancy. John Wooden said, don't be fancy, just be good. That's and, right. And I, and I think that that bodes that bodes well. I've also been very surprised at some of the intellectual capacity of these athletes. Mm -hmm. I think the time of the dumb jock, I don't think those guys make it. Yep. Um, I, I've been really impressed with some of the conversations that I've just had and what I've learned from these athletes. Um, I, I think that was a surprise to me. And then isn't it amazing? Like every once in a while, even though you've been working with NFL athletes, sometimes I just cannot believe what they can do physically. Yeah. I, I, I can't like, I could show them the hardest exercise in the world and they pick it up so goddamn fast or the basics, like walking at following. I just had a running back and we were just going over like, like knee walking knee hugs, like immediately following a massive knee surgery. And he just picked it up so fast. It would have taken me three weeks to teach a normal yep. athlete how to do it. It's just fascinating. So you better come ready to challenge them appropriately or nitpick the F out of everything they're doing because they're just so good at moving. It's wild. Yeah. I got one, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Uh, one of the linemen we work with, 325 pounds, 15 pound weight vest, offensive lineman, 20 dead hang pull-ups. It's, cr it's just, crazy. I'm like, bro, what? It's not. How is this real? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. And they're not sweating. I, I just love that. That's it's something that just like still gets me excited to, to treat some of these guys. Um, it's fun to push the limits, right? Yeah. To, to be like, because you truly are with some of these, we've got athletes that are running close to 24 miles an hour. 23.75 uh brandon cooks ran last year on a flying 20 and you're like we're really pushing the limits here of what's possible you know it's it's fun it's really fun it's pretty wild um and, and it amazes me i was just talking about like a random now he's a coach in the league he was a special teams star for the ravens for like a decade he was the the punt protector and he was he ran 23 he's the fastest guy on the team with a dad bod, like not unbelievable. Like, it's a, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah. Okay. So you do a ton of your work on field um, and teaching more of the performance side. It's like where performance blends into rehab or vice versa. Can you just walk me through your approach when you're taking an athlete to their return to sport phase? How do you teach them to be ready to go back to compete? Yeah, I kind of look at buckets of need, you know, because the buckets of need are kind of all along this spectrum of like high end return to sport versus like, you know, you're severely impaired, you know, versus your baseline. And so we kind of look at everything from movement potential, movement expression, movement capacity, psychosocial, 
lifestyle factors, um, tissue health and like literal, you know, natural history with tissues. We kind of find whatever entry point, you know, for these buckets that we're at. So if we are literally, you know, end stage uh, return to sport, I don't know that my mindset changes that much. We're just adjusting the dosage to meet and probably exceed the demands a little bit uh, to build somewhat of a capacity buffer for, you know, what they're going to be doing when they return to their sport. So very practically, you know, we get data, like if we're talking about a very high level, you know, if you're talking about you have GPS data, you have force plate data, you have all this stuff, um, like the GPS data for us is huge. If we can get that for a player from their strength staff um, and understanding, you know, what type of yardage they're going to be expected to run in OTAs, what type of yardage they're going to be expected to run in camp. Honestly, uh, preparing for camp is probably harder than in terms of the amount of capacity you have to build is probably harder than for the in season. Um, but if we have some really solid numbers there, then you just reverse engineer the program and you're like, so once again, it's not rocket science, right? But you, you build, um, you build based on, you know, the needs of, of what that person's going to need to do on the field and create a well periodized, well dosed program that builds that up. Yeah. Okay. So, so more specifically, clinically speaking, um, mm -hmm. athletes coming back from an ACL and they're ready to run three months, four months, you're, you're ready. You know, they, their QI is where it needs to be. Their force plate data is where it needs to be. What is your first approach to giving them some of that input to prepare to, to run? Yeah. So typically we'll start with, you know, anything from March skip progressions, POGAs, like you said, if we, if we've tested them, you know, we've done force, uh, output testing, all of that. Um, a pretty standard return for me would be March skip, a skip bound, um, maybe some pogos along with that wall drills, um, you know, just trying to restore some mechanics up prior to that, we've probably done sled pushes and things like that. And then, um, when we actually get back into running, I typically think about the, you obviously have the tissue demand and like the acute to chronic workload in your brain. Right. But I find that if I'm dosing gearing toward the cardiovascular system, um, that stuff will probably take care of itself. So we're probably doing low level cardiac output, trying to build that baseline aerobic fitness. And the dosing for that actually lines up pretty well with, yeah. you know, returning to run because it's genuinely supposed to be easy work. Right. Yep. Um, and then, you know, so I'm not like a huge, you know, I don't have to have like an alter G, you know, or, or like a, I don't, they're nice, you know, but it, I don't need that per se. Um, and then building that up over time to higher force demands, faster sprinting. And, and where, where do you put box jumps in this progression? Oh yeah. Um, we'll typically, um, I would probably depending on the athlete, you know, it's funny. I have got two ACLs right now that I'm working with. One's a skateboarder, one's a college football player. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because one of them has spent their whole life in a weight room yep. and the other one has spent their whole life on a skateboard. Yep. And so, um, the, yeah, I'll typically with a plyo progression, I'll probably be doing some sort of plyo prep before, 
we get into running, which could be anything, you know, where let's say we're not heavily biasing a stretch shortening cycle. Um, we're kind of taking out amortization and we're saying, you know, we're just going to drop to a base and we're mm -hmm. just going to stand, we're going to drop to a base. And um, then, you know, it's anything from stepping into not even off anything, but like, so forward step into a single leg stance. Um, I'm also, to be honest, a really big fan of kind of like a weight shift and stick where you start on one leg and kind of step forward, not a bound. It, it Picture like a bound without bounding, right? Mm -hmm. Forward, single leg, stick. Forward, single leg, stick. And um, if that's good and they're tolerating things well, then we'll go to, you know, non-counter movement, counter movement jumps, double contact. Um, we'll start to mix in. I, I will go, you know, box before hurdle. Um, and then we'll start to mix in more reactive, more lateral. Yeah. Love that. Love that. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think one of the mistakes I see so often is going back to run before you're doing box jumps. And, and like, you know, I'll have applicants when they come in and I give them their ACL case and I'm like, okay, when would this athlete run? Well, about four months. When would you do box jumps? Well, about five months. I'm like, that doesn't make any freaking sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like, <laughs> let's, let's like, let's think that through. So okay, that's, that's good to hear and, and seemingly a, a nice progression. Um, all right, let's wrap up with our Eric Cressy lightning round. You ready? Ready. Okay. What have you changed your mind on in the last five years, Ryan? Uh, I have change my mind on our ability to create tissue change by putting our hands on people. Love it. Okay. And what made you change that? Uh, reading literature. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's like when I found out that it's impossible to, to sense the articulation of the SI joint. I'm like, what yep. the hell have I been doing for the last? We grew up, I mean, in PT, <sighs> yeah, you know, yeah, I'm with you. They're still freaking doing that. Okay. Where is Ryan Bogus and PTHQ in five years? Uh, still doing what we're doing uh, in terms of treating every single person that walks in like the star of the show. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I, you know, I don't have big goals of, you know, I want to have 15, you know, clinics and franchise. I think um, if we're doing a really good job, we are bringing in people that fit our culture and as we bring in great people that fit our culture and as the demand of, uh, you know, for our services increases, we may, you know, be expanding into bigger facility, you know, maybe adding a couple more, but maintaining, maintaining the quality of what we're doing and the heart of what we're doing is we will still be doing that in five years. Yeah. Okay. What is the biggest threat to PTHQ right now? You know, there's so much social media. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there's just a lot of misinformation out there. And, you know, I think if, if people, you know, were to mistake, um, you know, passion for expertise, you know, that's that, that to me is kind of like the biggest thing threat wise is like, you can have a really loud microphone and you can be super passionate, but you haven't been through the fire. And so I think, you know, that's just a big pick. And I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. I'm just thinking big picture is like, you know, there's just so much noise out there and it's yeah. hard to get 
because a lot of times the great information isn't super sexy. It's hard to get that to shine through, you know, some of the noise. So that's misinformation, bad information, loud microphones. That's probably one of the biggest. Yeah, because they'll let anyone start their own podcast these days. Yep. Yep. Yeah, my, myself not included. Okay. <laughs> aside from aside from Zach and Quinn, who is the most influential PT in your career? Can I say athletic trainer first? Hell yes. My mom. My mom uh, was an athletic trainer at Arizona State. She's the one who got me 100% into this profession because she realized at an early age that I was not going to be a pro athlete, which I wanted to be. Yeah. She's like, you know what, Ryan? If you want to... <laughs> still hang out with, you know, be, be in athletics, athletic training might be pretty good for you. So, um, yeah, my, my mom, athletic training PT wise, um, probably one of my professors in physical therapy school. There's two of them. Uh, Dr. Dan Kang at George Fox university is an incredible person with just the best heart. And a lot of, I think my mindset about how I approach patients stems from him. Uh, and then Andrew Mazaros, neuro professor at George Fox, um, taught me to question everything and and never take anything at face value and 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 just totally screw the status quo. So yeah. love it. Okay, shout out to them. Good, those are awesome life lessons. Um, you have taught me and our audience a ton about culture and how to run a clinic and how to run a business, and I appreciate that. I, this was such a eye opening conversation. So. Ryan, thank you for your time. Thank you for all you're doing with HQPT. It just sounds like, um, to steal our own tagline, what sports rehab should be. It, it just sounds like a, a great place. So good on you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that immensely. And it, you know, it's funny as you, I, I, I don't talk about this stuff all the time, right? So when I get questions like this and you start talking about the journey and, and the people and, um, you know, for me, I don't, I I'm very humbled that you would reach out and, and ask me to talk because um, I feel like I am still learning all the time and we, we all are right. All like, are. yeah. So I, I genuinely appreciate the opportunity and I'm humbled and honored. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Before you go, tell us where we can find you on social. Tell us how people can find PTHQ because it seems like the best place to work and, and anything else you want to share. I appreciate that so much. Um, so at HQ underscore PT on Instagram. Not to be confused with PTHQ. It's obviously HQPT. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> HQ, HQ underscore PT um, on Instagram. Our website is headquarterspt.com. And honestly, any I like our my emails on there, I'm, I'm not hard to get a hold of. So if there's any, you know, students, people out there that are, you know, have questions, I, I'm a pretty accessible guy. So always feel free to reach out. Awesome. A great guy to learn from. Thank you for your time. Thank you to all of the True Sports family for listening. We appreciate you dearly. Enjoy, guys. Thank you.